So continuing our discussion from Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, chapter two. Sutta Vasami is here in the beginning of the chapter in the midst of uh, with tonight's verse, the midst of and concluding his glorification of various uh, various persons with uh, um, as uh, a way of uh, invoking auspiciousness before beginning to speak and answer the questions of the sages that uh, were asked in the first chapter. So far, he has initially said, to the sages, your questions are very nice. And uh, so he's very enthused um, by the nature of the inquiry, what it gives rise to, what opportunity it gives rise to. For him, he's surprised even by that the nature of their inquiry because they had gathered, as we discussed, for a reason, uh, reasons other than that which the Bhagavat focuses on. Certainly there's mention of going to heaven and hell in the Bhagavatam, hmm, some form or another. <clears throat> but the point of the Bhagavatam is this is not what it's about. Hmm? Going to heaven or hell. Hmm? It's about transcending um, and rising above all material conditions, piety and impiety and so forth. And so they had gathered for a different purpose as the first text of the Bhagavatam or the, uh, as described in the description of the gathering of the sages earlier in the first chapter. So we've discussed all this and how the presence of Sutta Goswami itself caused them to increase the level of their inquiry and the intensity of their interest and uh, and gave them an appetite for transcendental subject matter. So humble as he is, he's not recognizing that he's the cause of the questioning that he's praising. And then he began to praise Sukadeva Goswami. His guru, his Hiksha guru. Hiksha guru means instructing guru. So Sutta Goswami was in the assembly when Sukadeva Goswami spoke to the Raj Parikshit at the bank of the Ganges. So he heard it there, he heard the Siksha, and it made a strong impression upon him. So now he's carrying that impression with him in his heart, and when the opportunity arises, with the proper audience and so forth, then. He's pleased to speak about it. Before doing so, he praises his guru, Sukadev Goswami, and so in two nice verses, the early glorification of Sukadev. And so, Sutta Goswami is teaching us the etiquette here that um, this is not my speech, he's saying. He's praying to Sukadev in such a way that he, he, he hopes that Sukadev will. Amplify this uh, the, within his heart, where Sukadeva is residing. He's keeping his guru in his heart, and he says he's in the hearts of everyone. He has that capacity hmm, to satisfy the hearts of everyone. The heart's inquiry, hmm, the deepest inquiry. So, in my heart, I hope he will act as a loudspeaker, amplify this message of Bhagavatam. Hmm. So it's a prayer in, in glorification of Sukadev, it's a prayer petitioning Sukadev, 
for the power to do what he did hmm, in uh, conveying the Bhagavatam and that great assembly. And he wants to do it, as we've heard by the grace of Sukadev, in such a way that people will be benefited for, for all times to come. Hmm. So he said, as Sukadev spoke it out of compassion, with me, which means with no motive, nothing to gain, only as a giver. Hmm. So in the same way, I want to speak it like that. This is real speaking of the Bhagavatam. When we speak, uh, there are professional reciters of the Bhagavatam who do it to make a living. Hmm. There are teachers in the schools, in the religious course, who might give a course on the Bhagavatam, something like that. But that is not where to learn the Bhagavatam. It's, a heart, it's learned by the language of Bhagavatam is a heart language. Someone has to have it in their heart, and that means there's no room for anything else in the heart. So pure heart, full person can be, can be a giver. To the extent that we're full, we can give. So compassion... Uh, is expressed towards someone who ha- who is without. Hmm? We see, so we we want to uh, uh, fill them up, so to speak. So he he's full with the message, and he prays to Sukadev that that he'll um, represent it uh, appropriately, speak without any motive, hmm? other than motive of being kind to others, generous. And, sharing this, um, the wisdom of the Bhagavatam. So, having done that, glorified his guru, and briefly glorified the questioners, he says tonight, Narayanam namaskritya naram chayva narutamam devim sarasatim vyasam tato jayam udirayat. Narayanam namaskritya naram. So, this is a, the ancient system that we find here in this verse, that before speaking on a book, one will glorify the, 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 the deity that presides, for example, over the place where the book was written. The book was written at Badrinath. Badrinath is uh, on the way to the Mouth of the Ganges, high up in the Himalayas. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of times to Badrinath. Beautiful place. And um, Vyasa's cave is said to be in the vicinity. But it's now in so close to the Chinese border that no one can go there. They say he's still there, but who knows? No one can go. So... Um, High up in the Himalayas, this is where Vyas wrote the, the, the book Bhagavatam, and uh, the presiding deities are there, Nara, Narayana. Nara means man, really, and Narayana means Narayana. Ayana means the shelter, the shelter of all people. Nara means people, humans, and Ayana means shelter. So there's the Nara and the Narayana. So there's a particular avatar of Bhagavan named Nara Narayan, a twin avatar of, the, of Narayan and his devotee. It's said that, that Arjun and Krishna are, in a, in a way, a partial representation, mentioned in Mahabharata, of Nara and Narayan. So these, uh, 
the deity of Narayan is uh, is a is a Rishi avatar, so the Lord's uh, incarnation as a, as a sage, as a Rishi, not an empowered sage like Vyasa was empowered by Krishna for the work. That's a particular type of avatar. Whereas, whereas the empowerment is the uh, is the Godhead, hmm? and the person who uh, is the holder of the, the bearer of the empowerment, who's moved by the empowerment, is at the same time distinct from it. So we honor the empowerment, which may be um, uh, reposed in a Vaishnava for some time, for a purpose, and it may be with, withdrawn. But Narayana Rishi is a full uh, Godhead himself in Rishi form. He said he was doing meditation for the benefit of the world in, in Badrinath, Badrikashram. And um, the story of Narayan is given in the 12th canto of the Bhagavatam. I think maybe in a Vayu Purana also. Um, and uh, it's said that that uh, the power of his uh, meditation and saintly life of renunciation and sense control and so forth was um, attractive to the demons. And given their disposition, they thought that he has some power. They wanted to get the power of Narayan to use for their purposes. So the demons, the idea is they want power. They want control. Hmm. Right? Um, this uh, technology, there's a story in, in, the, in the sacred texts of how Arjuna was uh, in a forest and uh, a demon named Mayadonava uh, was um, in uh, some type of distress and asked for Arjuna's assistance. I think there was a fire or something, and Arjuna saved him. So the uh, Mayadonava wanted to give a blessing to Arjuna, so he offered him what's called Yantravigyan, the science of machines. And Krishna intervened and said, don't take it, it's for Kali Yuga. <laughs> so it's a kind of a talks about the industrial age and the problems that may arise from that. So power, by it's uh, to, to try to acquire power and by power conquer over nature and control and so forth. This is Ishwar Bhav, that kind of Bhava you don't want. Ishwar Bhav, to be the controller, the Bhava of a controller. That belongs to God, he's the controller. But we, to one extent, are possessed of this Purusha Bhav or Ishwar Bhav, Ishbar Bhav, Hambhogi, mentioned in Bhagavad Gita, I am the controller, I am the enjoyer. So, by acquiring, in other words, we'll get power and we'll conquer over, we'll own our own land and put up our fence and, and so forth, our own kingdom. This is the plight of the jiva. The jiva thinks he's a king, he's actually an orphan. So, um, so the demons, anyway, they tried to they tried to get the power, as they thought of it, 
of Narayan, and he created a fire in the, in the grass around him, and they were all repelled and so forth. And then the gods, led by Indra, they looked at him another way, and they thought that um, he, he was um, really enjoying something, some secret he was really enjoying. Because how do you, they think? How can you give up sense gratification? You can't. This is how the gods think, Indra. That's not possible. They see the, you know, it's like people sometimes, the enjoyers, they see the renunciates and they think something's going on there, you know, it's not possible. And so, so Indra thought, it must be some, you know, he's got some, some kind of special enjoyment there. He's got to have some sense intelligence, some pleasure to be avoiding the other so he so he wanted to steal that get that so these are the different temperaments right of the demonic and of the godly the god the godly they want to enjoy and sensually and the demonic want to want to control there's more there's more pleasure if you will in power for some than there is in just pleasure itself so to speak so at any rate, so Indra sent these apsaras, beautiful heavenly damsels, nymphs, to, to distract the rishi from his meditation and get his his uh, secret. It also may be thought of that, they, that, that, that uh, Indra thought, by this practice, he is going to acquire a, a result that will give him lots of pleasure, and that's my position, so my position may be taken by him. Mm-hmm. Indra's position is a post. So in order to ward that off and protect his pleasure domain, mm-hmm. he sent the nymphs, the apsaras, to come and distract Narayan. So Narayan took a, f- a flower, mm-hmm. and like this on his thigh, and, and created... Urvasi. Uru Uru means thigh. So it came out of his thigh. Urvasi is a famous heavenly damsel hmm, that knocks everybody out, created by Narayan. And all the the other Apsaras became just looked like ugly ducklings compared to her. (laughs) And then the Narayan Narayan sent them all with Urvasi back to heaven. So so no. (laughs) So the Narayan had. um, the pleasure of the self and the power, if you will, of self-realization that in mind, and he's exemplifying that. And so he presides in that area, and that is the area where the Bhagavatam was written. So here, Sutta Goswami offers his respects to Nara Narayan. Narayanam namaskritya naram. Nara and Narayan and Nara, Nara Narayan. Chaiva, hmm? Chaiva Narottama. Some texts say Vyasam Narottama. But in other case, um, Vyasa is the Rishi that presides over the book. Hmm? So there's the God that presides, the deity that presides over the, over the place. Then there's the Rishi, the sage, that presides over the book. That is Vyasa. So he offers his respects to Vyasa. And Narottamam. Narottam, um, Vishwana says here, Narottam means Krishna. Nara means person, and Uttam means the best. So, the best person. Usually it refers to humans, but Krishna is human-like, so he's the best. Hmm? Um, 
person in human society. So Krishna is the subject of the book. So before reciting the book, the deity presiding over the place of its origin, the, um, the rishi whom it's, under whose uh, jurisdiction it, it manifests, um, the subject of the book, these all things should be glorified. So, Devim Sarasvatim. And the Shakti. Devim Sarasvatim. This means Divya Saraswati. Not the ordinary Saraswati, goddess of learning, who gives material learning, but Divya Saraswati. Devim Saraswatim. So, the goddess presiding over divine knowledge is the idea. This is the Shakti then. Is raised given regard. Devam Saraswatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udirayat. Tato Jayam Udirayat. So it means um, after glorify, and then there's two other things. There's the, there's the the bija that precedes the book and the meter that it um, is recited in, usually that are mentioned. Here in this case, it'll be Om is the bija, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. And the meter is is Gayatri primarily. So it said, and Gayatri is mentioned in the first verse. So this is then the custom. And it said here, so after praising all these, after we praise the Guru, now all these things, uh, one should say Jai. Hmm? <laughs> and that's what it says, literally. One should say Jai. Hmm? And Jai means Jai, Jai Shri Krishna. Jai means victory. Hmm? Say something victorious, something glorious. Um, and glory and victory here means to conquer over samsara. Hmm? So that thing will be the Bhagavat, and the Bhagavat is Krishna. So it means Jai Shri Krishna. You should say Jai Shri Krishna and speak the book about Krishna, Srimad Bhagavatam. So this is then, uh, he is just about completed his his um, offering of respects and creating an auspicious atmosphere, create, um, um, petitioning for blessings and so forth, that he may be successful in the task of answering the questions. And then one final verse before he begins to actually answer them, and this is tied to the first verse of this chapter. It says, Munayo sadhu prishtoham babad bir loko mangalam. Yat krita akrishnasam prashno yenatma suprasedati. Munayo means the sages. So again, he's referring to the sages who are assembled, who asked him the questions in the first place. The sages that he glorified in the first verse. Mm-hmm. Um, he glorified some prashna. Their prashna, their question, some. It is so nice, so complete, some prashna, sahishtam. It's very satisfying. The sages had asked a question as to they wanted an answer that would fully satisfy the self. So this is, he says a really nice thing. He says, Munayo sadhu prishtoham. Sadhu means many things. It means a saint and so forth. But it also means well done, excellent, bravo. So sometimes... When people are reciting the Bhagavatam and they make a good point, people go, sadhu, sadhu. <laughs> oh, yeah, very nice. <laughs> so uh, he, he says that here. He says, 
munayam prashtoham. Your questions, sadhu, sadhu, they are so nice, excellent questions. So relevant are your questions. He's just really uh, enlivened by the inquiry of the of the sages, and so he emphasizes it here in the first verse. He said, "It is said, it was said, he respected the sages." So here now he's actually showing that respect. Sadhu munayo sadhu pushtoham mangalam. Your questions are sadhu sadhu babadbir loka mangalam. They are such that the whole they are mangalam auspicious for the whole uh, world. Bhavadbi Loka Mangalam, the whole world will benefit from these kind of questions. The implication here is that, as Prabhupada points out in his commentary, that the world is full of questions and answers. Basically, he says there that unless one's sleeping, they're either asking a question or giving an answer. The birds are asking further questions, and the early one gets the answer in the form of the worm. And uh, so, so it is. And most people are asking about that kind of thing: how to eat, how to sleep, how to mate, how to defend. But as we've heard many times, then human life gives rise to another question. And these sages are asking that kind of question. And they're not only asking the question, but they're seekers. They're ardently asking the question, and they can't of why and uh, and the, the greater meaning and so forth that I speak about sometimes in a general way, and they've got it refined now, hmm. very refined, so that the answer, the full answer, Bhagavatam, will come out. People ask it a little bit, so you can say a little something to them, hmm. or you could tell people, "This is what you're asking. Don't you realize it? You're you're, you're asking why." You know, and you should get a spiritual answer for that. They knew this, so their questioning was more refined, and so so much it is being um, glorified by Sutta Gosami. He says all kinds of questions are being asked as the implication, and when when Sukadev Goswami begins to speak in the next canto, he'll say the same thing. Oh, there's so many questions. Sasra, what does he say? There are so many questions in human society. These questions, these are the perfect questions. He says it in such a nice way. He says, Yat krita krishna sam prashno. They're really excellent questions. The whole world will benefit from them because they are about Krishna. And he says, Ye natma suprasiddhati. They had asked the question, How will the self be fully satisfied? Ye atma suprasiddhati. And Sudha is saying, by those questions. Hmm? I will give an answer, yes, but the very questioning itself, hmm? that will satisfy the self. You're the source of the, you know, he's, so he's, <laughs> so there's no meaning, as I said before, a teacher without student, questioner without answer, and there's a oneness and a difference between the two simultaneously. Hmm? So he feels empowered by their questioning. He says, you're, you're, you, 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 the answer to your question is your question. In other words, if there's a sufficient interest in the subject, that's all we need. So our task, in a sense, is to create the interest in others. And as it's created in others, awakening others, that will also then stimulate our own interest in the subject matter. So this is the only thing 
lacking. In other words, on the side of the, the Godhead, of the truth, there's no lacking, there's no shortage to reveal, to answer. Hmm? There's only a shortage in terms of inquiry, customers. Hmm? I've told the story of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who was pretty pr- pr- publishing Nadia Prakash. It was a daily magazine, and somebody in the government said, how can you produce a magazine every day about God? Isn't that a little over the top? And he said, well, actually, in every major city, you have two or three newspapers around the world, and they're just speaking about how to eat, sleep, mate, and offend, basically. And and this is this this is this just the he called it ekapad vibhuti, the one quarter, uh, the greater section tripad vibhuti is the is the spiritual domain. This is like a cloud only. It's like a cloudy day over here. There's no sun shining here. And people, puna punas charvita charvananam, are just chewing the chewed over and over again. And uh, and still you're talking about it. And you see it, like, turn on the news, they're just talking about it over and over again. Trying to squeeze a little bit more drop of juice out of it. And Nowadays they, they put a story up there that some something happened. If anybody was there with a camera or a cell phone or anything, Tell you what you tell us what you saw, you know, and they want to just go over the events and over and over and over again. Ah, but it's boring. So because because those, those aren't because the subject isn't Krishna. If the subject is Krishna, oh then the self will be satisfied. So so at any rate, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitakwa said, the problem is this we could publish a magazine at every minute about God. There's that much information that that domain is ever fresh. Hmm? We can Ananta, the the, the, the uh, thousand-headed Ananta, is said to be speaking about uh, Krishna's pastimes with all of his mouths forever, and he cannot fully describe one past one part of one pastime. Hmm? You can you can enter into one pastime, one time of the day in the Nitya Lila and stay there forever. Hmm? It's eightfold, you know, that eightfold Lila of Krishna. Throughout the day, you can go into one part, stay there for it's very vast, <laughs> uh, infinite, mm. so much information. He said, but the problem is no customers, so we're only doing one a day. Mm. <laughs> so this is the only shortage. Mm. So the inquiring spirit, this is most desirable. You want to create that kind of inquiring spirit that's called another way to talk about the teachable moment and then the teacher appears on the scene. Brikshit Maharaj was the big king and his inquiring became very intense then when he was cursed to die and the measure of his, of his intensity of his inquiry brought about the appearance of Sukadev and the Bhagavatam. Similarly with the sages here in their inquiry and Sutta Goswami has appeared. So he wants to glorify his Lastly, of all the people uh, involved, his listeners, his, the inquirer, the, the questioners. Hmm? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave a famous talk once called More Humble Than a Blade of Grass. He used to sit once a year on the day of his uh, birth, appearance in the world. They would have a celebration. And so they would arrange for a chair and garlands, and uh, there was a pompous kind of ceremony. So I guess maybe the first time they did this, his disciples and 
different people from different parts came and gathered and so forth. And so he he said, you may be wondering, when we teach, uh, we are the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and we em- embrace as our decorum um, the mandate of Trinadapi Sunichena, to be more humble than a blade of grass. And I'm sitting up here on a big seat like a beast. And everyone is sitting down below and, and so on and so forth. So you may have some, you wonder about this. In what way are we actually following that? To be more humble than a blade of grass when we're sitting above everyone and there's all this glorification and so forth. And, and then he began, he spoke uh, wonderfully and it was, um, uh, turned into a, a, an essay. It's still available. Uh, and about the dynamic, very dynamic understanding of the principle of guru. And in, in this context, he spoke about how the, the disciples he saw as his own guru. Because they were keeping him engaged by asking him questions. And to, uh, and they were, um, and, and so on the kind of order, he, he felt, he said that, my guru has sent all of you hmm, to keep me safe and out of Maya. Hmm? He surrounded me by so many inquiring persons, and I'm answering their inquiries. And in this way, um, I'm I'm serving them. Hmm? These are all manifestations of my guru and so forth. And of course, on his order, I'm I'm taking the seat. That is all just a pretense. Uh, I'm actually the student here, and you are the gurus. It's very, very um, beautiful and deeply uh, insightful. So we see the same spirit here in this concluding verse of the kind of introduction to, auspicious introduction to Sukadev's, uh, Sutta Goswami, I should say, it's answering the questions of the sages. Hmm? It's not idle glorification, and he doesn't do this just out of a formality going through some verses that he's memorized, he really feelingly glorifying Sukadev Goswami, Naranarayana, Vyasa, Dibhisaraswati, and Narottam Krishna, and last but not least, all the inquirers. It would not have been possible. Hmm? This is kind of the, the higher vision. I'll give another example that comes to mind. It's a little more extreme, but Pujapatrita Marsh once said, and the Judas without whom there would be no Christ. We offer our respect to him. The Christ saw him going up the Mount Calvary, carrying the cross, and in the crowd, Judas Judas was, you probably don't know, Judas was one of the disciples, I think he had 12 disciples or something like that, of, uh, of Jesus. And um, Jesus was stirring up the the, uh, the the nation, so to speak, with his preaching and so forth, and it became a political problem. So the Romans, wasn't it Romans? They um, um, they were, lo- I guess, they were looking for him or something or whatever. And Judas went and ratted on him, hmm? so to speak. So he had a fleeting moment in which he lost his. His faith, and he was 
concerned that if I'm connected with with Jesus, I could go down too. Um, they're coming after him. The law's coming after him now. So he copped out, so to speak, and and he, uh, um, as they say, he ratted on, on on Jesus. And so they went, I guess, because of that, they were able to find him or something like that. And so then they gave him his sentence, whatever, to, to carry the cross that he would be nailed on. So, so he's going up the hill carrying the cross, and in the audience was Judas, and he looked... Uh, is that true in the Bible? I don't know if it says that. But anyway, Schudemer said it like that. He looked and stared, and he caught, you know, in the crowd, fixed his eyes on the Judas, their eyes just met. And Judas, you know, was electrified and petrified, and but Sridhar said, and he said, and it's through his eyes, he said, because of you, this is all possible. Now I will do my glorious thing. <laughs> Thank you. You know, so he's thanking the Judas, who's the culprit, who everybody else would want to hang, and so forth. Um, right? But the Judas is, the Christ is thinking, because of you, this is all possible. Thank you. So this is the, the higher higher vision, something like that. And we see that here in Sutta Goswami. He's not thinking, I'm the teacher here, presiding over everybody, just see my big position. No, he's humbled hmm, by the task. He asks for help, hmm, that he might successfully um, speak the Bhagavatam, Jai Krishna, glorify Krishna, and so forth. So... Tomorrow we'll hear then his beginning answers, although he said he's answered so much now, pretty much by saying your questions are the answers. But we'll we'll go on from here. Mm-hmm. So, any question? <laughs> What's the time? Quarter to eight. All right. We'll stop there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.